You're listening to a North Valley Church podcast. Thanks so much for joining. For more information and resources, you can visit us online at northvalley.org. All right, well, good morning. morning. Good to be with you this morning. Man, oh man, we had a great time last night. Uh, uh, We were at uh, Miracle on 34th Lane. Uh, We've got a couple in our church that provide Christmas lights to the community and we had a blast being a part of that. There's probably about a thousand plus people that kind of come through over the course of a few hours. And my daughter decided to dress up and uh, somebody donated a little moose outfit and she was spreading cheer uh, last night. Check out this video. This is my daughter, she's going to town. Check it out. And she got kids coming in behind her, or in front of her, it was probably 500 people or so. And uh, slowly and surely, kids start bouncing in there. So this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to practice the moose dance. If you would stand up real quick. Yeah. Uh, this, yeah. Uh, somebody's like, I'll do it. I'll do it. Hey, uh, Feliz Navidad, right? Hey, all right. Well, hey, um, on Christmas, uh, we, I want to show you our Christmas services. Grab one of these cards real quick uh, and hold it up for me to make sure you've got it. If you don't have one, jump around to the next seat around you and grab one of these. I want to encourage you to use this. You can snap a photo of this, text it to your friends to get them to church uh, for one of our Christmas service services. They're going to be a ton of fun. We're actually going to sing Feliz Navidad. And um, one of the first songs we're going to do, it's a completely different kind of service in the sense for North Valley. It's not like a service you'd find here on everyday Sunday. It's super family friendly. So there'll be lots of kids. Uh, We may even have the moose uh, make a a debut out in the courtyard. Um, But uh, Danny from Mexico, he's one of our partners with our Mexico Missions Project. Uh, He was leading worship this morning. He didn't do a good job. Let's celebrate. All right, you got to do better than that. Okay, celebrate. Come on. There you go. I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you why I'm saying you got to do that, because uh, uh, I think it was actually a, somebody came and told me this story. Danny uh, um, led worship uh, just a few weeks ago, and somebody came up to Danny, and they're like, you know, you did such a great job. You're just so wonderful, so inspiring. And Danny um, said, well, you know what? Like, nobody was really, like, clapping their hands a lot. No, they weren't singing really loud. Nobody was dancing. And, you know, I'm like, Danny, this isn't Mexico, bro, you know? Uh, Americans, if, if you got the guy doing this right here, you got him, bro. He's with you, man. He is worshiping the Lord. Uh, so uh, I want to encourage you. You saw uh, Maya do the moose dance, get everybody up. So after I get done preaching, you know, give it your all. Let's worship the Lord together. Um, So this morning, what we're going to be doing is learning about uh, worship instead of worrying. And um, before I get into that message, though, we're continuing in the Gospel of Luke. You can open your Bibles there if you'd like. It's Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 56. I want to give you a little financial update uh, before we jump into the text, a giving update and kind of a praise report. Um, So together with all of our giving... um, I want to just say this, just for local and global outreach, this church in 2022 gave 
$1,500 towards local and global outreach this last year. So thank you very much. Um, here's a video from one of our church partners. Uh, we helped start a church in Desert Ridge a few years ago, but we helped stay with them and strengthen them. Some of you were there on their grand opening. Here's a little praise report from Pastor John. Check this out. Hey there, North Valley. It's Pastor John Craigel here with Mission Grove Church. Just got back from my son's basketball game, and that reminds me the importance of being on a great team. And let me just tell you, I am so glad that we're on the same team as North Valley. Thank you for your support in church planting. We just turned four as a church, and in 2023, we're excited to move into our very first ever building as a church. So instead of setting up teardown every single week in elementary school, we get to meet in our own space, and that's starting out in 2023. So thank you so much for all you do to support the Valley, support Mission Grove, support church planting. We are for you guys. We are with you. Have an awesome day. God bless. Let's celebrate that for just a moment. Hey, um, I want to pray for him right now. And if you'll bow your head, let's pray for them because they're uh, really ramping up and uh, God's doing some great work. Heavenly Father, we pray right now for Pastor John Craigle. We thank you for him. Thank you for the work that you're doing in and, his, in, in and through his life. Thank you for his family that serves in the church together and his wife and his kids. And we pray as a church, might you protect them and strengthen them that they can go the distance, Lord Jesus. And we pray for them as a church and ask that, God, you would expand their ministry, strengthen and bless and protect their marriage all for the good of all the people all around the North Valley and for your glory. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. amen. Hey, um, when they do their big grand opening, I'm going to have some of you go uh, with me. If, uh, uh, or if I can't go, I want you to go and be a part of that and serve and all that stuff. So we've got a couple other church planners that we're looking at supporting uh, for 2023 right now. And so I'll keep you posted on that. But out of the hundred plus thousand dollars that we all donated, I just gave a check recently to the Hope Offering above and beyond my tithe uh, to the church. Let me tell you what we got to do, okay? Um, we helped uh, two church plants, Mission Grove Christ Culture Church. That's Pastor Tahan, a strong African-American preacher, teacher. We're going to uh, visit him and support him when they do their big kickoff uh, right around uh, Easter. So get ready for that. Uh, we helped support uh, a family uh, that's starting out on a, a missionary a church planting journey in Scotland. We support them every month, uh, $500 plus, and we gave them thousands of dollars in leaving. Uh, we built a home in Mexico for a family in need. Um, we funded and gave a lot of uh, uh, financial support to our partners in Romania and Poland for the Ukrainian crisis. Uh, we had Pastor Gigel in Romania driving to the border picking up refugees every day. The seminary in Poland opened up their seminary and was bringing in refugees and, and encouraging and blessing and taking care of the moms. Many of the dads were stuck fighting and uh, the moms and the children were the most vulnerable. And you guys financially supported that uh, effort to give uh, relief and uh, ministry to them. We supported a local church during the hurricane uh, 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 hurricanes down in Florida. We helped provide pastoral care for support of pastors in need here locally. We funded some evangelistic ministries locally. We provided scholarships for kids in our summer camps. We provide uh, ongoing mercy funds for people in our church. Uh, we were able to send out our CARES team 
throughout the community to remodel homes and care for uh, single moms and widows and the poor and needy. Uh, we remodeled the church and strengthened a local church on the Navajo Nation, uh, bringing fresh water when there never was water, and uh, a restroom, and much, much more. So let's give God some glory for that. Thank you so much. Good job. So that's the good news. The tougher news is, is November was the first month in our uh, 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 a year that we actually did not meet our financial budget. Um, I think some of that was probably due to the economic uh, concerns and the high super inflated prices. So you're paying more at the pump and paying more at the grocery counter. Um, I think some of that was probably due to Christmas. Uh, you guys are spending a lot on Christmas, perhaps. And then some of it could be because of our staff transition. We had a recent staff transition and some folks kind of got all shook up. Uh, but overall, I want to say like year to date, our church is doing fantastic. We want to finish strong. But November and December are critical. So if you're excited about North Valley and uh, want to help make a difference, you put your money where your mouth is, like me, all of our staff, all of our elders, we tithe, and then we give above and beyond that. Um, and so I want to challenge you to do that because this is a ministry partnership. You are not customers. Um, you are partners in ministry with me. Amen? Amen? And so we're all in this together. I have a role to play, and so do you. In 2023, for the Vision uh, Sunday, um, I'm going to be sharing with you uh, what we're going to be pressing forward to seek to do in 2023. And it's about the people making a difference for the glory of God. So um, let me pray for us, and we're going to get into the Word. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the work that we are seeing done around uh, the world through this church. What a joy. Might you open up more opportunities, uh, Lord, around the world to make a difference, and might we go and be faithful. Bless our works. Bless our giving. All those that are giving, Father, might you increase their just favor and encouragement and support on their life financially, emotionally, spiritually, and all those that have not yet given, might they give. Your word says is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Might we be a generous church. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen. amen. All right. Well, Christmas, I believe, is really all about worship. Don't worry. You know the song, don't worry, be happy. Yeah. I think don't worry, worship. Uh, it's about worship. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at uh, Mary as a case study, who's somebody who had uh, every reason in the world to be incredibly worried about her future. Um, she chooses to worship instead of worry. How many of you are the worry warts or the anxious people? Raise your hand. I I've struggled with anxiety uh, most of my life, uh, probably because I don't know if I was just, my dad is the same way. My dad's a psychiatrist, a small business owner, an entrepreneur. Um, I've been always entrepreneurial. I'm always concerned about what's the next day. I'm always thinking about the future. And uh, worry can come down and be like a fog. How many of you guys remember just, I think it was last week, Phoenix had that serious fog. That was crazy. I mean, a dense fog. I think worry is kind of like that. It's this dense fog that can kind of come over your life. The sunshine is gone. And really, when you look at that fog, it could be 100 feet uh, deep. It could be for miles and miles. And it's literally, when you really think about it, all it is would be the amount of uh, H2O that would fit in one little cup of uh, uh, one glass. It's just millions and millions of particles. 
Uh, uh, and so I think worry is kind of like that. Here's what I want to describe worry as for this morning. Worry gives way to anxiety with an uneasiness of the mind by dwelling on the difficulties and the troubles of life. I don't know if you're worried about or have an uneasiness of the mind, but it's not a healthy thing. When you're worried, you feel restless. How many would feel, say you feel restless at times? Raise your hand. Yeah. Struggle to, to, to sleep. You just, you got a lot on your mind. Um, worry, signs of worry are being fatigued, always tired, having difficulty concentrating, being irritable, having headaches, muscle aches, stomach aches, unexplained pains, difficulty controlling your feelings, having sleep problems, and uh, having difficulties falling uh, or staying uh, uh, asleep. So worry is something, it's an uneasiness of the mind where you focus perhaps way too much time on it. Um, today what I want to do is encourage you to lift your, your, your mindset off of worry and look over the worry. It's kind of like if you've ever been in a plane and you, the, 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 the pilot says we're going through some turbulence and all you see is like the, the fog, and then all of a sudden he says, we're going to see if we can get out of this. And he pulls up the plane, and, and then all of a sudden, pow, and I just spit everywhere. <laughs> um, and you bust through the clouds, and it's like sunshine and blue skies. That is the peace of Jesus Christ, the kind of stuff that we need in our, in our life, is to get out of the worry and worship. So how do you do that worship? I think it's the uncontrollable expression of giving God glory with one's heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's a totality of your being. Let's look at the definition of worship. It's this uncontrollable. Um, I put this, uh, this uh, description together. I could disagree with myself, but you get the gist of the idea. How many of you have ever been to a big game, a Cardinals game, Suns game, some kind of football game? Raise your hand. God forbid a, a 49ers game. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, but you say you go to the game and you just bust out with excitement and support. All of a sudden you're high-fiving the guy next to you and you don't even know the guy and, all the, and you're just pumped up. Worship ought to be more like this expression of giving God glory and it's internal, it's external. Well, this is why Danny gave us the critique. He's like, I don't know if they're with me. They're not moving their body enough, you know. Uh, and I said, well, that's just part of the culture, I guess. But worship is about, um, Christmas is about worship. Matthew 2.2, 2, I'm laying the foundation, we'll jump into the text. Matthew 2.2, 2, uh, the wise men show up uh, after the birth of Jesus Christ and they ask King Herod, I'm going to ask you to help me finish this last part of the verse. He says, uh, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and we have come to, help me out. Worship, worship him. Christmas is about worship. The spirit of Christmas is about worship. It's about, do you worship Jesus Christ? Uh, Matthew 2.11, they finally get there. Look what it says. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And, and going into the house, they saw the child and with Mary, with his mother, and they fell down and helped me finish it. And they, they worshiped him. Worship Jesus. That's what Christmas is about. Charlie Brown? John 4.24 said this, uh, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. I think Mary models this so perfectly, so powerfully. 
She's going to model for every believer, I believe, what it looks like to worship Jesus Christ. And so today, I'm going to walk through the text with you, explain it, and then I'm going to give you five keys to worship instead of worry. Um, and I think it would be powerful and minister to you. So uh, Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 56, and Mary said this, she said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Uh, Mary has three different mys in there, my, my, my. How personal and powerful that is. She's been spending time with Elizabeth, one of her family faves, and she's uh, sharing with uh, her all about the supernatural event, the angel Gabriel showing up and, and sharing with her the news that she's going to bear a child and then re uh, recalling that Gabriel had told uh, Elizabeth that, uh, or Mary that Elizabeth was going to have a child. She goes and spends time with her and now she's breaking out in a worship song. She says three things. She says, my soul magnifies, my spirit rejoices in, in my Savior. The soul and the spirit represent the internal part of worship. Um, worship starts within. Every single one of you have a heart and you actually have a soul. Every person on the planet has a soul. It's the Im immaterial part of your being. Your soul will live forever. Every person on the planet, their soul will live forever, either in one of two locations, either in heaven or hell. Um, and she's saying in the internal side of her, her soul magnifies. That means to make great. It means to honor. It means to highly regard. Uh, she, it, it, she's making much of God from the inside out. She says her spirit rejoices from the inside. She's overjoyed, extremely joy, joyful. She's experiencing great joy. And then look what she says. And she clarifies the object of worship is Jesus Christ her Savior. She's referring to Jesus Christ as my Savior. What is the point of worship? The point of worship is to worship Jesus. Amen? Jesus is the object of our worship, and Mary points this out in the worship song. And then uh, let's look at verse uh, 48, and let's jump over there. It says, she says, uh, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. What I want to point out here in this part of the text is just the humility that Mary has. Um, you need to know Mary describes herself and saw herself in a very humble uh, person. Uh, she considered herself a humble servant. That was mentioned in Luke chapter 1 when the angel Gabriel showed up and said, you're going to bear a child. And uh, and then she says, uh, okay, uh, I'm your servant. I'll do whatever you need me to do. Um, she was ordinary. She was an ordinary girl, probably 13 years or, or so. And uh, she came from a no-name town called Nazareth, which most people didn't like. Be like if you were from, I don't know, I don't want to offend anybody, but... <laughs> Uh, if you were from somebody says Chicago, uh, maybe you're from Black Canyon City, or or uh, which I think Black Canyon City is really cool. Let's try. Let's say let's go. Let's get away from our area. We like the North Valley. Uh, let's say Apache Junction, okay? <laughs> let's say Tucson, okay? I don't know. Uh, it's a place that you don't like, and and if you're from Apache Junction, don't worry. I think you got good quail hunting down there. So. Um, 
there's some pretty areas down there, but, but it's a place you don't like, and um, that's where she's from. Uh, Mary isn't socially elite. She's not super powerful. She's not super popular. She's ordinary. She sees herself as she is. She's a humble person. Uh, she comes from humble beginnings. Uh, she's going to marry an ordinary man named Joseph, and he's going to have an ordinary job. Um, and Jesus treated her pretty ordinary. Um, in fact, it, in one moment in ministry, uh, when Jesus is uh, moving powerfully through ministry, he's having a preaching and teaching, and then somebody comes up and says, hey, Jesus, your mom and your brothers really want to talk to you. And then he's like, hey, who is my mother and my brothers but these people? Anybody that does the will of God. Um, Jesus valued the mission of God even above his motherly, earthly motherly relationship. Mary is ordinary. The apostles don't worship her. For my Catholic friends that think perhaps too much of Mary or uh, have, are told to pray to Mary or worship Mary, that's not at all what the Bible teaches. Um, the Bible teaches that she's an ordinary person with an extraordinary calling. And the apostles uh, didn't worship her. Uh, she was there, though, at the, uh, she's mentioned just a few different times in Scripture. John chapter 19, she's there at the foot of the cross when the disciples should have been there. Um, and then in Acts chapter 1, uh, she's there and she's worshiping just like everybody else. Uh, she's a part of the, the, new, the new church. Um, she was a sinner, though, uh, like the rest of us, like every other person. In verse 46, she said that she needed a Savior. Uh, Mary uh, was not sinless. She was sinful, and she needed a Savior. And so this is Mary's humility that we see. Verse 49, uh, she acknowledges, while she is weak, God is strong. Verse 49, it says, For he who is mighty has done great things, and holy is his name. There's two things that show right here in the text that I think are really powerful. Number one, that she is acknowledging that she saw him as mighty. She saw God as powerful and she saw him as holy. That means that he's sinless. She had a very good understanding of who Jesus uh, is. Uh, she had a very clear understanding. He's powerful. He's almighty. He's done great things. This is a great ministry for all of us that we should, in our times of challenge, we can worship instead of worry and say, God, you've done great things. If God has done great things in your life, say amen. amen. It's always good to remember that. I think back at the history of this church and how God has done great things. He's changed people's lives. He's given fatherless boys a, a father mentor. Uh, he saved people. He's given us property. God has done great things. Um, don't forget that. Mary's a great example of that. She sees how mighty and powerful he is. Verse 50, she sees his mercy. Look, she says this, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. She has a vision for the future that she sees the mercy of God playing out from generation to generation. And you and me, we're recipients of this mercy. Um, God saved me. I, I was on a road of destruction and God gave me the, uh, an opportunity for life. His mercy is for every generation. And Mary's breaking forth in a powerful worship song. And then she acknowledges the sovereignty of God. Look at verse 51. She says, And he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. I don't know for sure who she's thinking of. 
but I, knew, I do know that she's got a pretty good concept of Old Testament history and God's redemptive power and work throughout history. Perhaps she's thinking about Pharaoh, um, who had held the Israelites in, in bondage, and then Moses uh, said, let my people go, and then they are released, and they're running, and then they're come to a crossroads, and there's a sea in front of them, and they cannot escape. And then the Lord opens up the sea, and they cross on dry ground, and then the, the uh, Egyptians and Pharaoh's army come after them, and then the walls and the water come crashing down and scatter Pharaoh and his army. What a display of power. Perhaps she's recalling that. Perhaps she's thinking of Nebuchadnezzar, who was brought down from his pride, it says in Daniel 5.20, it says, but when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened so that, he, uh, so that he dealt proudly, he was brought down from his kingly throne and his glory was taken from him. Uh, God is powerful and she sees this and acknowledges that he can remove uh, kings from their thrones. He will scatter the proud um, the Bible tells us that God can cause nations and does cause nations to rise and to fall. She acknowledges his sovereignty and his power, and she acknowledges his mercy and his kindness too. Verse 53, look what it says. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. Um, I think this passage is probably pointing towards two different uh, parts that are really pertinent for you and I in the Old Testament. Um, God was seen as a compassionate uh, uh, God who cared for the needs of his people. And prophetically throughout the Old Testament, the Messiah was said that he would fill the hungry and minister to the hungry, both physically and both uh, spiritually. And in the New Testament, Jesus Christ comes on the scene. And then in one of the greatest sermons ever, he says, blessed are you who are hungry for you shall be, help me out, satisfied. You got it. And so I think uh, Mary is, is uh, prophetically being in, uh, inspired. She's singing and worshiping. Uh, he has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. Verse 54, in closing out this passage, she says, uh, He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. Verse 55, as he spoke to our fathers, she's got good uh, biblical history, our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. Uh, perhaps she's recalling the Abrahamic covenant out of Genesis 12, 1 through 3. God had made promises. Mary sees God as a promise maker and a promise keeper. Uh, she has a really good uh, understanding. She worships the Lord in spirit and in truth. I think it's a great model for us all. The Bible tells us that she remained with Elizabeth, it says in verse 56, and Mary remained with uh, uh, her, that is Elizabeth, about three months and returned to her home. What a great encouragement. She put together a worship song. Uh, she, uh, she got to be encouraged. Her mind is now right. She is choosing to worship rather than to worry. So here's what we're going to look at in our remaining time together, five keys to worship instead of worry. Five keys to worship instead of worry. And I think we can clearly see that Mary chose to worship rather than worry. Number one, I would say, is that it's about a right perspective. Mary absolutely had a right perspective. She saw who she was, how humble she should be, and how good.
and powerful and mighty God was. You and I, ladies and gentlemen, we need a right perspective. If we're going to worship the Lord and grow in our love and enthusiasm for Jesus Christ and experience all that Christmas is intended for us to experience, we worship. But we worship God for who he is. And that's exactly what Mary does. She worshiped him. She calls him mighty. You're a mighty God. She worships him and calls him holy. He's a holy God, completely without sin. She worshiped him and she called him savior, a very personal thing. And you cannot worship the Lord if he is not your savior. Um, you worship a savior. Nobody is worthy of your worship other than Jesus Christ. Your wife is not worthy of your worship. Your husband's not worthy of your worship. Your kids are not worthy of your worship. There's so many country songs. I worship the ground she walks on, you know, all this kind of stuff. And like, no, the only one that should be worshiped is Jesus Christ. And by the way, Mary never invites worship of herself. The only thing that worship is to be given to is to God. And so here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want you to think about, uh, do you worship Jesus for who he is? It's the right perspective. It's the right mindset. This morning I wrote this down to share with you just my personal thoughts of why I worship the Lord. And I wrote this down. Lord, I worship you because you're good. You're a good God. Lord, I worship you because you're great. Lord, I worship you because you've been faithful to me. Lord, I worship you because you're my heavenly father. Lord, I worship you because you're my forgiver. Lord, I worship you because you're my best friend. Lord, I worship you because you're a healer. You're a helper. You're the everlasting. You're the ever-present. You're the king. You're the comforter. You're the creator. You're the sustainer. You are God, my God. Amen? Amen. This is your God. And you have to have the right perspective. Uh, Jesus, uh, if you're going to worship, it starts with the right perspective. You need to acknowledge God as worthy of your worship. Worship him for who he is. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. If you want a life, I'm the one who can give it to you. This means that the Lord can satisfy your soul. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. This means that he guides you and gives you a moral clarity and he gives you salvation. Jesus said, I'm the door to salvation, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, I'm the true vine. If you want to know the keys to worship, I think it starts with the right perspective. See who God is. And then secondly, I would say it's, it starts uh, and it looks towards having an attitude of gratitude. Number two, you have an attitude of gratitude. You worship God for what he has done. He has done great things. Amen. So you've got to remind yourself of that because you will get discouraged. Probably one of the greatest threats to the Christian life is discouragement and despair. Um, many of you will never be diagnosed clinically as depressed, but all of you are diagnosed as discouraged uh, more than perhaps you think. Um, I told our staff not too long ago, I said, I think one of the primary uh, roles that we need to play as staff members is just encourage everybody. We've got a hard-working church. Most of these people work incredible hours. They serve a lot. Um, they give. They pour themselves out, and we're so proud of them. Um, it's more, uh, it feels like a, a church that's not just, uh, we've made it past the startup, but we're moving into the build-up phase. And this is challenging. It can be on a congregation, and especially for a young family. Um, and it's so important that you slow down and you thank God for what he's done. 
Um, one of the greatest things you guys did for, for my wife and I was you had that anniversary celebration, a uh, 20-year an- celebration, and encouraged my wife and I. And it gave us the chance to look back over the last 20 years of our marriage and see what God has done. Um, I want to thank you for that because it ministered so powerfully to my kids and my family, and it, it really makes a difference. I think sometimes it's good to do a history lesson with God and remind yourself what he's done. Mary did that. She, she recounted all that he had done, how uh, she had recalled how the angel Gabriel had appeared to her. She recalled how God's been faithful in the past and how God has, uh, there's a redemptive history of how he's a deliverer and a healer and a helper. How can you keep an attitude of gratitude? You need to remind yourself of what God has done. Here's what Psalms 89.1 says, I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. Uh, with my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. I think sometimes you just need to open your mouth and say, thank you, Lord, for what you did here. Thank you, Lord, for what you did last week. Thank you, Lord, for answering my prayer about this situation. And then tell your kids the Lord's answering prayers. The Lord's doing this. One of the most uh, precious things that happened to Leslie and I just the other day um, during this uh, surprise anniversary for our, our uh, marriage um, the guys got together. I think I told you the story, but the guys got together and did a holy haka dance. It was a Hawaiian theme thing. And they did it to uh, a random vanilla ice song, Ice Ice Baby. And then to make it even more awkward, they put in Psalms 121 in the midst of the song. And so they're reading it. And the beauty of it, though, the power of it is this. And I, I think I told you, but I can't remember is my wife had been memorizing Psalms 121 as a source of encouragement to her and to our family. And then out of chance, really God's providence and plan, they sing that song to Psalms 121 and blessed and ministered to her. God is good. He knows your need. He will deliver in the perfect time. He oftentimes uses the Bible to re-encourage you and support you and help you. It's like you say to your friend, oh my goodness, that Bible verse was so just there for me. So many times in a church service, somebody will say, I felt like you were talking to me. All that is saying is that the Lord is trying to get your attention to help you to see how good he is. And keeping that attitude of gratitude is so important. Seeing of his love forever with your mouth, open your mouth and uh, remind yourself of his faithfulness for generation to generation. And tell your kids, tell your family how faithful God is. Represent Jesus Christ, represent his goodness, represent that he answers prayers to people around you. The most powerful influence that you have is the witness of you yourself experiencing the goodness of God. The most powerful thing that ever happened in my life was my mom and my dad loving Jesus Christ and the influence that that made on my life. I ran away from them, I ran away from the faith, I ran away from the church, and guess what? I started seeing Christians whose lives were deeply impacted and I thought, man, if it works for them, maybe it could work for me. And so I want to encourage you uh, to keep that attitude of gratitude. Remember what he's done in your life. Number three, I would challenge you just to stay humble. Uh, those of you that are, are, are humble at some level, stay humble. Those of you who aren't humble, be humble. And if you claim you're humble, then you're not humble anymore. I think humility is probably one of the greatest keys to worship. Worship God with a humble heart. Um, I think Mary was incredibly humble. She saw herself as so blessed, like so blessed. Um, 
she acknowledged she needed a savior. She's not saying she's without sin. Um, she's not written about a whole lot in the Bible. She doesn't get a lot of ink like the rest of the guys. But boy, what a powerful role. Be humble. Understanding humility, it's a modest or low view of one's importance. It's thinking of your self less than others. It's seeing yourself as God sees you. I think Mary does that. She considered herself a humble servant. That's what she, two different times in Luke chapter one alone, she saw herself as a servant. Um, and by the way, Jesus is the greatest example of humility. The Bible says that he humbled himself. Jesus humbles himself in obedience to God. He dies on a cross for you and me. Humility, powerful key to worship. Um, I'm reminded of a story of D.L. Moody, a great evangelist of the 1800s. Uh, he had a powerful uh, preaching ministry, and what he did is uh, remarkable. Uh, there's a Moody Bible College has been established. Yes, there are good things in Chicago. And uh, there are uh, incredible amounts of missionaries and the impact he had. But here's the story with D.L. Moody about humility. What a servant leader. In the 1800s, he was organizing this large conference. And uh, there was um, hundreds of pastors from Europe coming across. And D.L. Moody had deep ties with Europe. He's over in Massachusetts, organizes this conference on a college campus. And after all the preaching and teaching, he was the keynote speaker. Everybody's just electrified and in, in, in awe of DL's uh, ministry and his influence on the city and the, and the church and the world. And so um, after the conference is over, DL wanted to make it a point to kind of pray for all the pastors and the church planters. So he's walking the halls and he's praying for everybody. And then he looks down and he notices that all their shoes are set out on outside of their door, like room service is supposed to show up and shine them or something. And then he, he thought about it. He's like, oh, wait a second. That's how they do it in Europe. They set the shoes out and they expect somebody to shine the shoes before morning. So he tells a couple of the college students, he's like, hey guys, help me shine these shoes. And they're like, no, you know, they, they don't need it. And he's like, DL's like, no, they're Europeans. That's what they, they need. They want this. So he quietly gathers all the shoes all by himself after everybody left, goes to his room, and he's shining shoes all night long. And then one of his coworkers comes in and says, what are you, what are you doing? And he says, well, I'm shining their shoes because that's, that's what they wanted. And I just figured I'd do it and I'd pray for them. And, I, and the only reason we know the story is because his associate shared the story. What is my point? Is my point is I think that we ought to be like shoe shiners. The guy at the airport, the nice business guy comes and he's got his shoes and that guy's down there shining the shoes and sometimes there's a kid with him. I think that should be like the picture of us. We're shining somebody else's shoes. I think of Jesus Christ, how he washed his disciples' feet. That's the vision. Like you and me are supposed to be servants. Like what we do should not bring more glory and story to ourselves. It should point back to the wonderful goodness of God. You can't worship very well if you think you're the one who's supposed to be worshiped. You, you worship well when you realize like you're just the servant and you're in the presence of a king. That's the joy of it, ladies and gentlemen.
that's the strength of it. That's the power of it. When you realize that you've got a role to play, no matter how this thing goes down called life, that you just play the role of a servant. I'm a shoe shiner for Jesus. Jesus, is, he did worse, man. He's washing dirty, nasty feet. Some of y'all's feet, I've seen him before. I do not want to see him. I'd be shining shoes before I'd be washing toes, that's for sure. But James 4.10 says this, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. I don't know, maybe just right now, let's just pray for a second and ask for God to humble us. Lord Jesus, right now we pray to be humble so that you lift us up. Might we think less of ourselves and more of you. Might we see ourselves as servants and yourself as a great king. In the mighty name of Jesus, lift us up now. Everybody said. That feels good, doesn't it? It feels good. Number four, I would say this, to see yourself as a servant. That's easy to get the the concept of what I'm saying. But I'm saying this is how Mary saw herself. The powerful announcement, she didn't say like, of course, Gabriel, thanks for picking me. I got this. I'm the best of my, my family. I'm the most brightest, the most intelligent. She's like, I'll be the servant. I'm the servant. I'll be a servant. Worship the Lord by serving him. If you're not serving uh, in our church, I'd encourage you to do so. We need you. Uh, The Lord wants you. When you serve people, you're serving him. Your whole life should be service, though. Serve in the church because the church is like a family. Everybody should have chores and do their family work. You know, if this is your church, run this church. Um, Right now, I'm so excited. Last week, we had a conversation with a guy in our church, uh, Jeff Ferrier. He's a retired police officer. Uh, here in the valley, and uh, I told him, I said, man, would you think about, we're going to, this idea of joining the 100 Club. He's like, what's the 100 Club? I'm like, I don't know. It's something I'm putting together. I want to share with our church later in January, but I'm giving you a sneak preview right now. So I said, Jeff, it's like, imagine like we're asking for 100 extra hours per week for people that would just serve the church. Imagine what that could do to our payroll. It could bring down our payroll. We could put more money in ministry. You're retired. Imagine it's a halftime position now. Now you're you're not retired. You're investing a huge chunk of your life to serve Jesus for the kingdom advancement through the church. What a glorious time for the church to advance in this area, right? Thousands of people moving into this community. Um, over this last year, uh, we've, we've counted, uh, I think, 4,000 different residents that just moved into this area. Like, it's happening, ladies and gentlemen. And I want to challenge you to see yourself as a servant. Jeff stepped up and said, hey, I'll start serving on Sundays. I said, it could be 10 to 12 hours a week. Could you do that? He said, you know what? I've been praying about this. It seems like the time is right. And now that I've publicly said it, it's got to be right, right? He's on the hook. Uh, See yourself as God's servant. Boy, this helps me. When I see myself as a servant and rather than a king or anything like that, I, f- I can help people better. I can give out my number. I can give them a call, show up. I can handle the criticism. I can just say, well, I just want to serve. Be faithful. That's for you too, ladies and gentlemen. You're a servant. You're a servant to your kids. You're a servant to your family. You're a servant to the people around you. 
be that servant, represent Jesus Christ. Luke 1.38, Mary said this, and Mary said, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. What a great word. She had a clear understanding of herself. Let it be to me according to your word, and the angel departed from her. Number five, here it is, is keep it personal. You want to worship instead of worry? Keep it personal. Your faith needs to be personal. Worship God in a personal devotion. Your faith is not your family's faith. Doesn't matter if you were born in a church. You didn't come out holy, okay? Your Bible says you were born into sin. Uh, Mary's faith was personal. She wasn't a believer just because mom and dad was. She says, my Savior, my Savior. Can you say that? If you cannot say Jesus is your Savior, then you cannot be a worshiper of God. Uh, when we acknowledge Jesus Christ as our Savior and that personal side of our faith takes off. Um, three different times in verses 46 through 47, she says, my, uh, my, my. And she's referring to God. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you... Uh, it's outside of the church on a Sunday morning. Like, Sunday is great. I'm glad you're here and you need this. This is a corporate expression of your faith. You're worshiping the Lord corporately as a congregation. Powerful. But did you know that you're going to get most traction in life and spiritual growth on a personal level? Like, you can say today, man, go out to lunch. Man, I had a great time at church. had an encounter with God through the worship, through the teaching, preaching, and just felt God's presence. But how about Monday morning you wake up and you're there on your couch sipping your coffee, you open the Bible and you say, man, I enjoy your presence right now, Lord. You go to work and you slow it down for a second and you say, Lord, I need your help right now to navigate this decision and you invite the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit into your life in a more powerful way. A personal devotion for me as a preacher, teacher, I try to read a couple books a month. I don't always do that, but, um, and, and every so often I'll just read a book just for me. It has nothing to do with you, has nothing to do with the church, it's just for me. And uh, some of those books lately have been about soul care and about caring for the soul and doing things that help you grow in your faith. Uh, my wife and I sit down on a regular basis uh, most, most days of the week, and we open the Bible and we read, and we're not reading anything to give to you or to teach or to share with the congregation. We're reading so that we can connect with God because it's personal. Um, you need a personal faith. You don't need your family's faith. You need your faith. You, you, your kids need to see that it's real for you. Your grandkids need to see that it's real for you. When they see your faith and your commitment, it means all the more. Key to worship is, is you keep it incredibly personal. Here's what Psalms 118, 28 says, you are my God, my God. I will give thanks to you. You are my God. I will extol you. I will worship you. And I think of the transformation that happened in the life of Thomas when Jesus showed up behind locked doors and uh, asked questions about Jesus in John chapter 20, verses 27 through 28. Um, Jesus speaks and he says, Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Is he your Lord? 
Is he your mom's Lord, your dad's Lord? Is he your grandparents' Lord, or is he your Lord? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do pray for everybody here um, that they would worship instead of worry. Might they be encouraged and lifted up as they seek to humble themselves before you. Might they worship you instead of worry. I pray, Father, for those that do not have a personal relationship with you, that they would start that today. And they would start that by a simple prayer, maybe today, just acknowledging their need for you, acknowledge their sin, and believing in you as Lord. So for all those that want to start that relationship, would you just pray with me silently for just a moment? Heavenly Father, I acknowledge my sin. I need you. I need you to save me. I need you to change me. I believe in you, Jesus Christ, that you're the forgiver, that you are God, that you can heal me, that you can help me. And I confess you today as my Lord and my Savior. I will follow you all the days of my life. And Father, for all of us, might you fill us up with the encouragement and joy and peace as we worship you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to support North Valley Church by partnering with us through giving, you can do so by visiting us online at northvalley.org. Thanks and have a great day.